Margie Worthington podcast all day. All day. Dream by night. <laughs> Don't buy me a drink. Just give me 10 bucks. <laughs> all day. <laughs> Go down to the strip club with your floppy disk and turn it into a hard drive. Yeah, right. You'll get fucking thrown out by Big Tony. <laughs> We're here to name names and make people feel more ashamed for shit that they're not proud of. Don't blow it. Keep it simple. Count your money. Oh, whatever it is. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Marky Worthington Comedy Podcast. This is episode 51 with uh, the artist behind the Goosebumps series, Tim Jacobus. Hey, how you doing? Good to have you on the show, man. I appreciate it. Part of the reason that we kind of had this um, communication prior to this episode and why I feel like we've been chatting on and off for like a few years at this point is because um, I had a uh, piece commissioned from you for a tattoo design um, earlier, uh, early in 2020, I believe. Or tw- I, um, But yeah, basically I had a, a tattoo piece um, designed by you or just... Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I forgot that was you. Yeah, so I um yeah, so um I will just I'll just bring up a uh, image here just really quick, and I'm only going to flash this because if someone wants to try and screenshot this, <laughs> um, but yeah, basically I have a uh, um switching over. This is the design I had done from um Tim um uh, in the um early I think it was early 2020. Yeah. Um, and then literally straight after that, all tattoo um, parlors shut down. Um, the guy that I had spoken to to get it done um, is still not back again. Um, so, yeah, actually, I get my tattoos in Melbourne, um, mm-hmm. which is Melbourne's like our um, sort of more like art capital of Australia. Like Canberra may be the capital, but Melbourne's the art capital. Um, It's been a comedian. That's where a lot of people that um, sort of want to pursue more of a career in comedy um, go eventually, or they stay in Canberra and have kids and just go to every open mic for the rest of their life. Um, (laughs) Which I haven't fallen into that trap yet. But um, I've got, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm at that, um, I'm at that fork in the road. How long have you been doing comedy? Uh, four years now. I've been, okay. yeah, so I've been doing comedy for four years um, and I've had my podcast for probably, um, well, this is episode 51 and I put out two a month, so. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, not about to make two artists try and do math. Um, <laughs> That's dangerous. Yeah, I, I tell you what's more dangerous. I just put myself on the same level of you. Like I, for some reason, just put my- Absolutely you are. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to math. <laughs> to be honest, if my comedy was art, it would be nowhere near as good as the um the covers of Goosebumps. Oh, it it would nice definitely be um probably in the adult horror, not the children's horror. <laughs> um, but um, one of the questions that actually did, because I reach out to f- um, any fans that wanted to ask questions, and one that came in, I've got a couple here, but um, I go, I sort of like to let the conversation flow into the questions and not just have a like, here's five questions, bang, 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 bang. One of them that did come in is, um, I'm sure I'm probably not the first. In fact, I had a look on, look on Instagram to see how many people do get this, but what's it like to see your artwork tattooed on people so 
the first time I saw it, uh, uh, you know, I know it, it's probably been going on for a little while, but I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, I was taken back because I was going, because I always look at tattoos and I, I love the artwork on tattoos and I've designed, well, for you and for other people where I'll design an original piece for it. But then when I saw the Goosebumps covers themselves being tattooed on there, I'm going, my first response was, oh, why did you do that? You should have reached out and uh, I'll make you something that's totally yours. <laughs> but that's not why these people are doing it. They're capturing something that meant a lot to them, whether it's, uh, you know, a, 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 a place in time mm. or, you know, whatever it is. But it's that artwork that is, you know, from the book that means something. And it took me a while to get my head wrapped around it. And, um, you know, like if my kid said, oh, I'm going to get, you know, uh, slappy tattooed on my arm i'd go come on let me let me make you something that's totally yours you know totally unique and so uh now uh it's been a while and there's a lot more out there and i've seen some really incredibly great uh reproductions i've seen some unbelievable sleeves where it's multiple images of the, the tattoo and so that's that's art in itself in recreating the art especially doing it on skin and uh so again that's that's beyond flattering because this is something that's going to be with them forever and be you know uh you know a, <laughs> a book can come and go and it might get thrown away but <laughs> that too is there so yeah. uh that's uh, I, i'm I'm beyond honored that people think that my art is worthy of a lifetime commitment. Yeah. Well, and, and you've seen that in person as well. I'm sure like cons and stuff, people would. Care. I was, I was just at a con uh, last weekend yep. and uh, a guy came up and he didn't even know I was supposed to be at the show and he had ghost beast beach tattooed on his, uh, on his wrist. And it was really nicely done, and uh, yeah, it's 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 very cool. Yeah, that that is cool. Um, which is why actually uh, there is some good artists in Canberra, but I actually have like a relationship with um, some artists in Melbourne. I've got two artists, and um, that's why I specifically go to that artist because I I would want to make sure that any artwork that I get tattooed is actually done adjust done some justice by getting done by a good artist. And I'm um, part yeah. of the um, part of the reason that it worked out so well that I went straight to you and, and in answering that question you also um, clarified something as well by saying like I'm glad that I sort of went to you and got something specific yeah. because yeah. yeah I did I didn't actually know but that seems like what is what you like yeah um, and, 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 and you know and uh, that that excites me more because now you, and I hope you look at it kind of the way I do is yeah. you got a one-off, you know, like that's a, you know, that's yours. Mm. And, 
paint for you. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, and again, I'm sure whoever you get to do, it's going to do a good job. Yeah, no, I um, have a, uh, yeah, like I've got a couple of artists, but the one that I specifically chose mostly does like horror and, um, and part of the reason also for the design, letting you know it was going to be a tattoo, I think also changes the, the like, because um, actually the, the version I showed was the one with the red inflex, but the one that was suggested to tattoo was the black and gray. Yeah, because it it, um, it tends to um, tends to be easier as a tattoo, to, like as well as age and things like that. I was just going to say they age much better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, what else have we got? I just um, there was a similar question to that. I actually had um, a fan write in um who actually um indicated in their signature block that had a phd so excellent um are we going to be able to answer this yeah i know right well i mean i could i could have a crack but i feel like it's not it's, it's not going to be as good as you actually answering it how about that for, for the first half of the show i'll answer your questions <laughs> <laughs> and then you tell me it will it'll be All like right. the back of the yeah, that's, yeah that's good it'd be like the back right. of the book we have the answers page at the end you can check my work <laughs> um actually to be honest i'm um i can actually i could actually answer some of the questions which i have a question coming up with after this which um i know the answer from listening to a previous podcast with that you are on so um what we'll do is sort of like elaborate on that answer um, okay. to make it a bit more interesting but i actually have a question here um regarding now i'll summarize it because it was like a paragraph it was a thesis um but um basically um the um you cover art was critical to the success of the original Goosebumps series. I also think that the two-tone color schemes um, were an important factor in creating vi a visual atmosphere for the stories themselves. Did you have a hand in selecting the color schemes for each book? So I, I got to do whatever I wanted to do color-wise in the paintings themselves. But when I turned the artwork in, there was a different uh, group of people or another person. I don't know exactly what it was, but the book designers themselves were then lifting some secondary colors from the actual art to create the framing in the book and the color of what the word goosebumps would be. Okay. So they were doing that on their own. I had no say in that matter. But they did an incredible job. And I love the fact that all the books are different. So if you lay them all side by side, there's, yeah, I don't, you know, we might've repeated a theme, but yeah. I hard pressed to say we did. Cause I went out of my way to make sure I was using different color combinations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually there's a second component to this question. Um, so it's, if not, were they sent, um, to you in advance or i believe more likely they were created to complement um your excellent cover yeah they, they 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 definitely looked at what i did and if i had two dominant colors in it they would pick two other colors mm. that were secondary to that so that we had the the full uh 
you know, uh, something that was definitely complementary uh, or analogous to what I was doing. So, uh, yeah, I always was impressed um, on the choices that were made. Yeah, so there you go. You, your answer already um, predicted the second part of that question. So um, there we go. It's uh, and there you go. That's a that's a that's a um, question written by Doctor People. So like any of my listeners of the show, that's the sort of audience that we can attract depending on the guest. Um, a lot of my listeners are more of the AM radio type. I, I don't know if that's a thing <laughs> like <laughs> do they still have am that's when i was growing up i know exactly what it is I, you know, I grew up when that's all we had so actually um i mean i like to keep uh try and keep it as much to the um to the art as possible but um just a side story I actually restored a um an old um tube like valve radio for my mum wow. and her grandmother um in like when i was in high school i was doing taking woodworking and um yeah it's so crazy to see how much go like it was like a, it was like a piece of furniture you know yeah, like, absolutely yeah everything was a piece of furniture your tv <laughs> was a giant piece of furniture your uh turntable wasn't just a freestanding turntable that was built into the furniture too yeah. and a lot of times they were all built into the same giant piece of furniture <laughs> so your, your turntable your tv everything all in one thing it's uh, one of those things. I think it does kind of tie into the nostalgia. I mean, that's obviously before the 90s that that was a thing. But, like, I'm sure that uh, fans of Goosebumps have those, like, vivid memories of, like, the um like the family tv and watching goosebumps on on the um i was actually listening to a uh, previous podcast you're on i'll give it a quick shout out the uh, pwt cast um episode 112 um and um the presenter on the show was talking about how he went on a summer vacation and like just wanted to be in the hotel room because they just discovered that there was a goosebumps tv series <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah that's that's a little rough on the parents <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's, yeah it's um one of those situa situations where like that's how it was though i remember that like there was the family tv and you know there's still there's a massive um and we spoke about this before about the um collections and the fans that have all the memorabilia like it's actually a thing to collect the vhs because that's how it was presented yeah. it was that was the medium that it was on um, absolutely yeah. big old tapes and, and uh speaking of the collections i've actually got now this isn't um oops this isn't the best um the best picture i have to advise people that this was a last minute decision where i've just gone i need to get a photo of all my goosebumps books and this was probably about four years ago and uh i'm doing a lot of i'm doing a lot of um buttering up for this photo but let me just advise people i, I actually play ice hockey and um i just come off a six six month injury um broken ankle and i'd been sitting on my couch the whole time so i want everyone to realize that i'm wearing a singlet after like 20 kegs of weight gain um so yeah but it's the only photo i've got with all my goosebumps <laughs> stuff in one photo <laughs> thank you for the warning yeah I, it's more so just to help you because i don't want to accidentally i don't know if this is gonna help me dude I, no i'm 
I'm, uh, to be honest, this is more of a selfish thing because I don't want to accidentally influence your horror art style by showing you <laughs> something that is truly egregious. Um, but anyway, this is the only photo I have with all my Goosebumps stuff. Um, and there you go. So that's um, the original 62 books times two plus all of the... Um, I have the additional... Um, I have a couple of additional, like, special editions. I didn't collect all of the Give Yourself. I'm a fan of the original uh, 62 yeah. series. Um, but, yeah, that, there you go. So that's... Yeah, I did, uh, I did the first one in the Give Yourself series, um, Escape from the Carnival of Doom. Yeah, yeah, that's the like one that... that I... Yeah, but then uh, then they opted to get another illustrator. Uh, you know, I think the fear was that um if you know let's say i got sick now you've got multiple uh series in jeopardy because i can't be producing so yeah, uh, okay. yeah i thought it was a you know probably a good safe move uh, the first guy, yeah the first guy they got his name was um mark nagata he okay. was he was good yeah um now, quickly, we were talking about the art style before of the uh, color selection. You can see how colorful the selection looks when it's all out like that. Um, and, and you see the, um, like, the larger um, print, uh, the larger books down um, in the bottom section of that, which had, like, there's one that has, like, a swivel light in it that, like, fully pulls right. out and, right. and everything, like you said about the merchandising. Uh, that's all I really need that photo on there for. There's, I think there's a... Um, like the special editions but also have the um the more tales um to give you right. yep. um, as well i liked that series there was one that came out with like an art set like a watercolor art set as well and um, Ooh, i don't know about that you're, you're telling me something i don't know oh great okay well um this episode should be just Marky Worthington tells um, Tim Jacobus <laughs> about himself. The shit that he never saw. Yeah. <laughs> um, for an hour and never lets him talk about what he was here to say. Um, <laughs> well, before you get going on that, so you still have the full series? Yeah, I do. I've still got the original. Um, yeah, that's, that's great because I know people are out there trying to go back and, you know, for whatever reason, no longer have the series and are trying to go back and put them back together again and get a, a full set. And I know it's getting harder and harder. There's a couple of straggler books in there that are really tough to get. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you still have a, a full intact set. Yeah. So I, um, I've got a little bit of backstory about that and we won't worry about going back into the, um, the other thing. Like this is, we're not circling back. This is we're we're moving forward with this freight train. Um, so the, um, <laughs> the um original 62 was what i first went into but i found a lot of the time i needed to um buy like bulk sets to get one that i wanted like i would literally so how the story goes is i had the original 62 uh i, I had the original 62 minus about minus about 10 books when i was a kid mm -hmm. um and they were all given to me by um a buddy of mine's older brother who you know his parents worked 
had a, had a, had a solid enough job to afford all the merchandise, um, and and I just had the um, I was I was the working class that just sort of borrowed them when he'd finished reading them, and he kind of got to the age where he just um, grew out of it, sort of moved out of home, and I was like probably about five years younger than him, so he gave them to me. Nice. And I had them right up until I was about 18. And uh, we're having a garage sale and there's this... I, I didn't put... Like, the, the garage was open and the back half of the garage was stuff that we, like, was that wasn't for sale. And um, uh, uh, Grandma comes up with a 10-year-old kid and... The kid looks at the at the at the box and sees the Goosebumps books in there and says, "Oh, um, can you ask how much they are?" to the to the grandma and the grandma says to me, "How much for the 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 books?" And I said, "And I'd, I'd read them and I looked down at the ten year old kid and I said, oh, man, if if you if you think you um, can get through them all and you're going to enjoy it, you can have them." So I, I gave them away. Nice. That's cool. Um, and then when I was about 23, uh, so I'm 28 now. Um, I mean, uh, people think that I'm like th 35 because of the beard. So just before you start to think like, holy shit, my, um, my fan base is like 35 years old all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> Um, it happens. Yeah, there's, there's, there's dead goosebumps readers who are that age, so yeah. that's okay. Hey, they fall yeah. into the set. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so um, basically, I yeah got to about twenty three, and I was like, hey, I, I'd like to get that set back again. So I basically went on like a twelve month rampage to get um the set, and I ended up um in by buying so many bulk lots, I ended up with the original sixty two times two. So I've got two sets of the original sixty two. Nice. Um, and yeah, tell you what, there's some level of nostalgia behind getting a book that you know has been read like ex library books that sort of stuff like i've got i've got a good copy of every book but the second 62 i specifically kept books that had like library stamps in them and like 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 things from the 90s in in the book but yeah, right. And and seeing, yeah, a kind of, uh, like you say, a, a more realistic timestamp on it when there's either the old uh, the old library cards in there or, like you say, somebody's put their name in it or the, a stamp or a drawing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the amount that I've got that were like some kids present, like, hey, Johnny, happy, you know, <laughs> happy eighth birthday. Hope this isn't too scary sort of thing. Uh, now um i wanted to bring this up on the show and we didn't just have the artwork done by yourself but um i managed to get a copy of um, oh i was just gonna bring that up yeah so it wasn't just the artwork but um i don't know if you remember this but i had this sent to you to be signed as well oh okay um and the story behind this and why i um yeah why that means so much to me is because i actually bought it from amazon us and had it shipped to you to be signed and then posted to me so that, like i i thank you a lot via messages but i just wanted to say face to face like thank you for doing that for me it's one of the prized books in my possession yeah and i i don't know if you look at uh go ahead and look at amazon us right this minute i because i that was 
trying to make this point over the weekend when I was at the comic convention. Uh, a new version of that book is crazy expensive. Mm. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's definitely I, – I won't sort of uh, give it away too much because I, I want people to still try and find that book, like do the – Yeah, like, they're around. You know, they, they – I, I, I have – uh, I have one used copy, same thing. I would, uh, you know, they gave me some, I gave them away. Yeah. And then uh, years later, you used to be able to go on to Amazon and buy it used for literally, you know, the shipping would cost more mm. than the book. So, mm. you know, you could get one for you know, a dollar, 50 cents. And yeah. I did that for years. And again, I would buy them a few at a time and you just give them out. Yeah. And then it became harder and harder and you know like i said i've got i've got one copy left i'm just gonna sit on it it's used i bought it it's you know it was somebody somebody else's and uh but uh yeah i think uh over the weekend i saw that you know a, a pristine or new ver or new uh uh new one of those books is almost eight hundred dollars yeah yeah because it's crazy yeah, yeah and listen that's if we let's do a little public service here right now and tell your 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 viewers that do not buy this book for eight hundred dollars i did i wrote it i know it's not that good so <laughs> save your money oh man see this is the thing <sighs> Standard personality from New Jersey, as funny as Australian comedian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all a mess here in New Jersey. <laughs> I, I love it. We we have one um, comedian in Canberra, um, um, and and this isn't a dig at. I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not. I'm not um, showing that my parents brought me up wrong here. She legitimately tells me to bring... I MC a comedy room here in Canberra, and um, she tells me to bring her out like this. She's the most mature female Canberra comedian. And um, it's literally like watching your mum tell sex jokes. It's... <laughs> I'm in, sure she's badass, yeah. Oh, man. In a New Jersey accent, it's just... Answer. <laughs> Uh, and, and I said, how long have you, because uh, it's thick, like it's pretty thick. And I say, like, how long have you been out of New Jersey? And she's just like, oh, I moved over here, you know, when I, I'm not going to try and do the accent. But um, I feel like an Australian accent should be the antidote to a New Jersey accent. Like you should cancel each other out, which is why I can't try and do it without doing it a disservice. Um, I've had like the, the, um, the vax for that accent by growing up in Australia. But um, yeah, it's one of those things that I don't think it wears off. Whatever your, uh, you know, whatever your, wherever you grew up, whatever gets hardwired in, it's really hard to shed the whole thing. What'll happen is if she came back to New Jersey and talked to us, we would go, oh, where you been? You know, you're talking a little funny there. <laughs> So uh, I have a friend who's Ukrainian, yep. and he says when he goes home that they they pick on him for sounding like he's from the states now, and it it, it happens everywhere. It's um it's like when you go someone else that has a dog, and you come home and your dog can smell it on you. <laughs> 
I don't know if it's exactly that, but let's roll with that. <laughs> no, it's um, I basically whether that was true or not, it was only trying to make you laugh. See, as a comedian, I've just undying need for attention, even if it's for someone across the other side of the world. Um, I. Now, I did tease before I had a question where I kind of knew the answer to um, based on my um, listening to previous podcasts that you've been on. Um, But basically, there was a question that came through um, saying that... um, saying... uh, asking... Asking, was there any um, Goosebumps artwork that you did that was initially too graphic to use? So, like, did you initially do an artwork that was too graphic? Now, I, I did hear there was an answer to this on a on um, a previous episode that you are on. I'll give them a quick shout-out. A Spear Talk episode 51, um, where you said that um, one of them um, came back with the um, the the gnome with the finger in the nose actually was changed to like the finger going to the head, I believe the garden gnome. Yep. Um, there you go. I like to take that PhD guy. I did some research too. Um, but was there any that were just too graphic? Um, we, uh, there, there was like a kind of, you know, there were, there were the, the only real rule, to the goosebumps covers where no no kid is hurt and there's no blood uh, no red blood monster blood we put it all over the place as long as it's green and slimy we could we could use as much of that as we wanted or blue or any other color yep. but uh yeah no 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 red no red blood and again no kid getting you know getting hurt yep. but uh none of the stories needed to go in that direction um when we got to the uh, series 2000 we were trying to do stuff that was a little bit edgier so um the um what's the name of it um well there's a, a graveyard ghouls yeah. uh has a you know a bunch of ghouls and one of them there's an eye popping out of the socket uh you know the skin's peeling off uh, uh, werewolf on my living, a werewolf in my living room. He's got some sort of skin disease and it's red and swollen. So yeah. we got to be a little bit more edgy in the second series, but uh, I never did anything and it was sent in and everybody went, oh, no, 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 don't do that. That's that's too scary. So we it never got that far. And most times it would be picked off long before I did the, um, before I did the final art, because I'm submitting pencil drawings first. Yep. If I had done something that was, you know, outrageous uh, early on, we would have already, you know, uh, kind of uh, altered it long before we ever put color to it. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. Um, especially um, you mentioned um, in one of those two previous podcasts that I mentioned before um, with the um, the change to a digital platform, which made it a lot easier to do adjustments and things like that. Was there um, was the beginning of the series still done um, traditionally or was it all digital? 
Oh, the 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 classic series, the original '62, and the series '2000, and all the special editions uh, were all done traditionally. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, the digital stuff for me didn't start until uh, it was kind of basically what got me submerged was Goosebumps kind of stopped for a while. And when it did wrap up, that was the majority of my work. So I I knew I needed to learn this new technology. And because I wasn't trying to get, a, you know, a piece of artwork done every week at that point, I could settle in and figure all this technology out. So uh, in the mid 2000s is when I started to ramp up and, and start to do the digital stuff then. Right now, uh, everything's digital. Unless uh, you commission me to uh, do something that you want to hang uh, on the wall itself, yep. I'll, I'll go back and we'll do some traditional stuff. Um, mostly my traditional stuff now is uh, black and white only. And they're oversized pieces. Um, um, I, I have one that I, I hang in my living room that's uh, two feet by seven feet. So yeah, these okay. are, you know, they're, they're, and it's interesting because first off, I enjoy it because for so many years I was using all those saturated colors, yep. but I was always a fan of black and white. Black and white um, keeps you from, um, you can't hide when you do black and white, you know, I may be able to get you to look at things or kind of wow you. If I use a lot of colors, yep. it's black and white, the drawing and the technique and the image has to be good it, or it doesn't carry. And we kind of talked about that kind of touched on that when it, when it comes to tattoos, Yeah, you know, that, you see a good black and white tattoo. It's, it's amazing. Yep. The other thing is, <clears throat> The, everything now is so full of color. You know, you buy furniture, the paint on the wall, mm -hmm. everything. There's nothing. Your TV, you know, kind of when I was growing up, the world was black and white. You had black and white TVs. They didn't, have, you know, nothing was really saturated. Everything was kind of pale. So, you know, being vibrant with color was, a, you know, was an outgoing statement. Now it's kind of working the other way around. And, uh, um, so when you hang up a big piece of black and white art, it actually is very attention getting uh, because it's got the lack of color and there's color everywhere else in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I remember asking my dad, like when I was a kid, dad was every, like, was the world black and white or was that just the camera? I, I you know, it was something in between. I got to tell you, it was pretty black and white. <laughs> Dad says that like, he has memories that are in black and white because everything. <laughs> yeah, because he lived it and then it was kind of gray when they did it. And then all the pictures that were taken of it were black and white. So yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, the, the the sometimes you'll have a mem like I'll, I'll do this. I'll have a memory that's based on a photo that I seen. So it's it's weird how memory will work like that. It'll just associate a memory to an oh, image. You, yeah. It, so you know, uh, you and I touched on this before the the podcast started, where your memory keeps rewriting itself. And you know, um, you know, the older you get, 
the more you you find that uh, you know your your memories are being rewritten all the time. And it's by the way you tell the story. And what's real interesting is I still have friends that I grew up with that I knew when we were you know we were in grade school, and we'll get together and one of us will start to tell the story, you know, that starts with remember that time. Mm. And then they start to tell the story and you go, yeah, I was there. And that's not what I think. <laughs> I mean, it's close. It's always, you know, like the general idea is <laughs> yeah. there. There's got a new detail over here or they've combined two stories together. So yeah, your uh, memories are, are very fleeting and um, you know, that's what's nice about the internet because I may be spitting out some goosebumps facts and <laughs> it's great for you to, to double check and, and see if I'm, I'm really on my game or not. Well, uh, speaking of that, there is actually, I found like a, um, like a 10 things you didn't know about Tim Jacobus. Um, <laughs> oh, great. Oh, here we go. Is this the end? All right, this is the end, my friend. <laughs> well, I um I didn't want to bore you with a list of ten, but I actually have one here that relates to a question. So it'd be okay. it's a good contrast um, between the two. I wasn't sort of about to um, rattle off the list of ten and be like, "Is that true?" Um, it's a bit it's a bit like when someone tells you a story about yourself. Like I didn't want it to turn into the like, "Do you remember that time when?" <laughs> Um, but, um, now there's a, so the, the, the thing says, um, there's a, so there's a rumor in this list of 10 that says that the reason that you choose Converse shoes is because you originally worked at a Converse factory. Is okay. that, let's that's, get a fact uh, check on that. Okay. Fact check for that one is no, that's not true. <laughs> that's definitely not true. Uh, the, the story is that when, uh, you know, Converse have been around a long time and they, they, they've kind of always been somewhat popular, but when, uh, I was, uh, middle school and high school, they were, you know, they were top drawer. And even at that point, there wasn't even a lot of good sports sneakers. You know, this was pre Puma, pre Nike, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I played on a basketball team and we wore high top Converse because those were the best sneakers around. Mm. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the story that I tell most often is, you know, I wore them all the time. I, you know, and to the point that they used to smell, my mom used to pick on me and say, Oh, you know, you know, when are you going to get rid of those stinking sneakers? You know, someday you got to get a real job, all that stuff. And, you know, here it is all those years later. Um, can't hold my foot up to the camera because I can't raise it that high, but I got my cons on now and I always have them on. And uh, they were just identif identifiable sneakers. And it, I just started to drop them in the the paintings just kind of for fun to entertain me yep. and then after i did it a couple of times the art director was like oh that's cool keep doing that so i was encouraged to to to, to keep at it so uh yeah now it's become kind of a a thing but i don't have any connection to converse sneakers they've never given me 
uh, a free pair of sneakers, <laughs> uh, you know, none of that stuff. It's just something that I wear. I consistently wear them. And uh, yeah, that was just uh, kind of a, then, you know, one of those hidden little Easter egg things that we used to, to drop in the paintings. Yeah. And which I was like really happy that the artwork that I'd got for you for the tattoo had the cons in there as well. Cause it was just, um, <laughs> That was more of just a, um, me making sure it was actually you that was doing it. Um, once I seen those cons on there, I knew it was authentic. I feel like if it was on um, one of the shows, like the uh, we have a show here called Antiques Roadshow. I don't know if they hear yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, um, I feel like you know, in times to come, there'll be like an eighty-six-year-old me walking in with my Goosebumps books. <laughs> <laughs> And they'll be checking to see. They'll that, be checking, like checking for see if they're the original versions. And, see if they've got yeah, the yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and there's the cons. I, I did actually. Um, there was some research that went into that question, and I um, wanted to also um, have the story of um, the twenty percent discount that you got from um, Converse for uh, mentioning them on. Um, <laughs> on CNN. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that's a hundred percent true i yeah. did write and say hey, hey you know i mentioned they're going oh yeah we we know you've been talking about us for years and uh yeah and then they mailed me a 20 percent off coupon like they do anybody else who writes <laughs> mail <laughs> i didn't use it. <laughs> i mean if you if i look at it this way if i was going to buy cons anyway that's a 20 percent um saving it's like a old saying the uh any 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 penny earned, uh saved is as penny earned yeah but it was one of those things i didn't need a pair right at that time <laughs> so i you know i'll wait until they wear out and i'll, I'll, I'll pick up a, a new one when i need it uh it's a um it's a metaphor for like their name is just a metaphor how they knew that one day they would con someone into buying a pair of shoes they didn't need <laughs> um but yeah we um got that got um got that one something else i found really interesting by listening to some previous interviews with you what was it like after two years of working with um rl stein to finally meet him face to face after having done all that artwork and never having any face-to-face contact yeah it was great and uh it was somewhat accidental um i knew he was going to be somewhere it wasn't like it was an arranged uh, meeting for us to get together. Uh, he was speaking at a uh, at an event in New York, and I was in town um, doing. Uh, I might have been delivering a painting, mm. and uh, they said, "Oh, he's going to be you know down the street, you know, speaking in you know a couple hours." So uh, yeah, hung around town and uh, got a chance to meet him, and uh, he was you know he's a nice guy. You know, mm. there's. I, I'm sure you've seen interviews with him and a very down to earth guy. Um, uh, it was great. It was nice to meet him face to face because we had been working together for so long. I just, you know, it just was nice to go, Oh, you know, this is the guy. I mean, I just want to shake your hand. And, you know, <laughs> I, at the time I didn't, but I've done this a number of times and, and uh, just to, to thank him for taking me along for the ride that's really cool it's really cool to see um 
like to to hear the backstory because obviously as a as a kid you wonder like when you're reading the books what the relationship is like you know i mean obviously in in like um my childhood i always imagined it was like a room just filled with people all like you're sitting next to rl stein he's writing it and he's going what do you think of this tim and yeah he's looking over my shoulder while i'm painting like you say yeah that's you know even myself as a you know before i got into the business you know i thought that there there would be more uh more contact with between um illustrators and and authors too but that's just not it's not the structure of the business and uh you know that that's that's the publisher's job you know like they should know best what should be on the cover you know they're the ones who are facilitating it you know sometimes authors have an idea of what they want and sometimes i had ideas of what i thought should be on there but again they're they're putting this thing together they've got the team and usually it's i i I shouldn't say i i for myself most of the time when i was doing it we were all in agreement there was never a time where i was going uh you know you rejected the greatest idea in the world and Mm. uh the one shows is you know is no good i wouldn't have turned in an idea Uh, you know i did three sketches for every goosebumps cover and I wouldn't have turned one in if I thought it was no good. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm saying here's my three best. And they're, most of the time they just went, yeah, let's do number two. All right. Mm. And I'd go home and paint number two. That, yeah. that doesn't sound right, does it? Painting number two? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, the difference with phrasing is painting number two and painting with yeah, number two. That's right. Um, the uh, <clears throat> Oops, I'll just make sure. Um, yeah. Awkward time to have like a massive pause while I get the next question. It's just like any of my punchlines. They just need a second for everyone to like consider what I just said. Um, but the, um, there's another, another part here and it kind of relates to what we were just chatting about there, um, with, you know, the series, um, over the, over the years and all the different, um, adaptations of it. And also talk, meeting R.L. Stein for the first time, I I seen um, the sort of um, the the cameo spot that he did in the Goosebumps movie um, as well. Um, and what what was your uh, input to any of the like movie and TV series? Did you have any um, any sort of um, any say in any of that? So the TV series they. Uh they ran independent. Uh, I had no say, no one ever reached out to me. They were kind of, they were based in Canada. So they weren't even in our backyard. And, um, I, I know they had limited budget to, to put the, those shows together. So I, I think, you know, they had to just look at, you know, they, I, I know they looked at the art that was there and then they would go, well, yeah, I think we can, do something that's like this mm. because we can afford to. And then of course I never was producing these things thinking about TV or movies. I'm just making book covers. Mm. And there's a few things that I created where they're going, we can't do that. We got to come up with something else. We don't, there's no way within our budget we can do this. So um, 
And that's the TV show. Now, when it got to the movies and they could do, they had the budget and they could do anything. It was, uh, it was cool to see things come to life. It was really cool. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy to see like, you know, big name actors on like a series that I remember reading as a kid and you just like, like, you know, and actors that I grew up with, like Jack Black, you're just like, holy shit. And I think also the choice of cars, I don't, I, you mentioned that you, um, predominantly worked on the original 62. I remember the, there's the uh, slappies going around in the movie in like the haunted car from the series 2000 book. Mm-hmm. And the, they'll even choose like a cool car that would be that type of like they they choose the closest like obviously artwork is based off a real life thing in most cases it's just got it's kind of modified um, right. to match the storyline or whatever but you know it's just cool to see um, it's cool to see those covers come to life in a movie um, and sort of. A, a visual representation of how I thought that that storyline would be. And there were so many Easter eggs in the movie for like fans. Like you're sitting there like, holy shit, it's, you know, th- it's that book. Like it's the, the monster from that book, you know? Um, but yeah, like I, I remember we actually had a, um, look, shout out to my, um, my primary school teacher who sat down at the start of every class. So basically he understood, like if I'm going to share some, um, information about my educational history, which I didn't already by trying to read out loud on the show. Um, I I was in the class of boys that basically was just like, we're going to just put you in the all boys class. Um, in, in, in like a, in like a co-ed school, we were like, the uh, we were like the super group. I'd like to look at it as we were the we were the group of guys that had just done so badly. That they're like we're just going to put you together. Um, like I've been doing isolation well before twenty twenty because they totally just they wanted to keep us as separate as possible in the fact that we may rub off on the others. Um, and now I work with them all as comedians. So it's like, we've been together our whole lives, but, um, (laughs) the, um, our, um, our teacher basically knew that basically nothing's happening before 10 o'clock. Um, so how he would settle us is he'd sit us down and read a Goosebumps book to us. Like, yeah, for the first, the first hour of the day, he would literally just read us a book. And then slowly we got in, um, got in to um more of a habit of like one person would read a chapter at a time and slowly it became like a group exercise all right and i remember the first book you read us um was um was um we started with the start of the series so we went straight straight through to uh, dead house Mm-hmm. Um, from the start and it, I remember just looking at the artwork and like I'd already had the series and, and read some of them at this point um, but it was cool to see it also at, at school um, but looking at the, the artwork um, from the first book now is <laughs> this is my fact checker thing um, the it was the first book 91 um, mentioned the um, first series before that, you mentioned that you did some um, books that were more so um, like adult aimed. Mm-hmm. Um, what yep. was the first sort of style of book that you were doing before Goosebumps? 
I was doing a, a lot of different stuff, but uh, I, I, I think the one that, that leans the most towards um, uh, Welcome to Dead House was I did this series of books. They used to refer to them as Women in Jeopardy. And they were paperback books that came out and it was always the mom who, you know, is taking care of her kids and going to the grocery store and she either stumbles on a crime or stumbles on a mystery and, you know, nobody believes her and she has to figure it out for herself. Mm. And um, we always used um, the, the same formula, which was some sort of building. And then we do the worm's eye view, which a very low point of view. And then there would be a second element, a doll in the gutter, uh, a, a random shoe, a cigarette butt, uh, you know, just the, the random things. And the building styles would all change and the element would change. But um, we did this a, a number of times. So when Deadhouse came along, the art director who I had done all those Women in Jeopardy books said it would be, you know, just do kind of a version of that, but make it more, you know, make it more extreme. So yeah. that's where the, uh, the, uh, the, the low point of view, the, uh, I, they weren't as saturated in colors. They were somewhat colorful, but yep. you know, I never put that bright orange that was inside the open door of, uh, of dead house to really get your attention that something's going on in there. And, uh, so yeah, that's where the, 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 the genesis of it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, and people can see just the, 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 the tail end of the door underneath my picture there. If you're watching on yeah. the YouTube, this also goes I'll out. Have to dig up, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely have to start to dig up some of those, uh, old women in jeopardy, uh, books just to, to put them up so people yeah. get what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, sounds well, I have like... some of the paintings up in the attic. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, that's really that's really interesting to hear. Like some of the sort of, I guess the because in, in comedy, I have what they call the evolution of a joke, and I'm sure that your art style has the same thing. Like I'll go yeah, to yeah. an open mic and just say the first thing that comes to mind, you know, um, and or, or well, as well as as well as actual jokes. But um, I'll, I'll I'll try it out, and then depending on that reply, I'll sort of. Um, work on it from there it's a bit like the pencil sketches and things like that now i've got a couple more two more subjects are you happy to go f for a little for a little yeah, bit yeah, longer? I'm good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm good. cool excellent um i know that you're an early morning person i didn't want to uh i know it's your afternoon there so i mean at this point you're probably pushing on you know 14 hours of awake time um i know Actually, it's interesting because I noticed that, like, just in the time frames, a lot of the, your replies to emails and things when we're queuing this up were always at your time, like four, five o'clock in the morning, and I was like, "This guy's a machine!" Like, there, like, I, I, I had to double check the time frame um, and just make sure that I wasn't. Like, I thought maybe you'd moved or you're somewhere else, or <laughs> I, I, I live in a time warp. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. I, I get up. Um, Monday through Friday, I get up at 4 a.m. Um, not because I'm being, nobody's making me do it. Um, I got into the habit of working those hours when, um, when my son was young, my son's 23 now. And, uh, 
what was happening is I would go leave the house and go to a studio and work. And then I always, I've been doing illustration forever and the illustration usually goes on as, you know, the, the secondary thing and goes on in the evening. Hmm. So when he was young and, you know, when, you know, he was, you know, five, six, seven, uh, you know, I come home, we'd eat dinner and then I'd go, Oh, I got to work. And then he'd go to bed at, you know, seven or eight and I wasn't spending any time with him. So, uh, what I started to do was shift my schedule so that when I came home, we hung out, we did stuff. And then when he's going to bed at nine o'clock, so am I. Mm. And then I'm getting up and I was back then I was getting up at three. And so then from three until I left to go to, to the studio job, I was get you know, I had a good half a day's worth of work. Mm. The phone doesn't ring. Emails don't come in. Except Nobody, for mine, you know, my crazy yeah. email. <laughs> hey, but you're on the you're it's your regular day at that time. <laughs> but but uh, let's just say the the distractions are yep. much less during those hours, and I found them to be very productive. So even after he grew up, and I really didn't have to do that anymore, I got to really like those early morning hours, and uh, mm. I've been doing it ever since. And uh, yeah, it, it's. Um, again I, I i i it's part of who you are i mean there's people who are night people i know a lot of night people and i'm a morning person yeah uh, when i wake up that's when i'm really cranking everything feels like you know i want to go that's when i work out that's when i you know yep. like i wake up shot out of a cannon yeah yeah and, uh, so yeah no i i really like those early morning hours yeah no it's uh it's what some people say that like um, I guess some people are more creative at certain times throughout the day and you just need to find you know, the mornings that I've gotten up early to you know I couldn't sleep or whatever um, and I've decided to like I've had ideas about comedy or like jokes or things sometimes the morning will be when it like clicks right um, so mm-hmm. I think there is definitely some um, some weight in that Um but yeah, if I'm going to be honest, though, um, uh, I also bartend as well. And if I'm up at three, it's because I'm still up, not getting up. Right, right. And again, that's that's more that's less about it. it it's a shift in schedule. That's yeah. a lifestyle. That's yeah. when it goes on. If you're a comedian and a bartender, that shit's not going on at seven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you gotta you gotta do it when it's when it's appropriate to do it. Luckily, uh, this you know what I do doesn't warrant uh you know there's not there's no participants so it's when i feel like doing it is when it when when it can get done yeah yeah um i mean there's not a lot of comedy going on at seven o'clock in the morning um oh there is but nobody's paying for it (laughs) (laughs) um i'm glad we feel the same way about breakfast radio um (laughs) um that's actually the holy grail um in the comedy world is scoring a breakfast radio spot that's like the how you do it as a job by in in well in my world anyway um so yeah but anyway i've i've already um messed that up for myself so i suppose back to um back to bartend (laughs) um 
Now there was a, I do have a, I do have a, um, I think it's our final, final question. So we've got two more bits here. One is our final question. And, um, also I have a segment called story time, which we basically just tell, like you just tell a, a, sto- a story, which we haven't really covered, but, um, so I'll give you a moment to think about that one. But in the meantime, there's a question. Um, yeah, I love that. I'll give you a moment to think about it. But here's a question that you also have to think about. Think about it. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but uh, so something I found really interesting, which I didn't actually know prior to listening to uh, previous episodes. I love how the previous podcasts have done all the heavy lifting for mine. Um, so... Basically, um, I didn't know that the original, originally Goosebumps was aimed at girls because it was the market. The market was, uh, girls were more likely to, to read, right? Yeah, the boys market didn't even exist. No boys were buying books. The only time a boy got a book was if his parents bought it for him. Uh, boys read comic books. Yep. But other than that, they're, they're so yes, when Goosebumps came out, it was definitely geared towards girls. And um, was so once it started to take off in like um, the the boys market, was there any um, shift or like conscious change in artwork or writing style? No, well, like you can't speak on behalf of writing style, but for the artwork, was there any conscious change? No, because the I only saw or, or so RL was writing the book at the same time, and he's giving me descriptions of what's going to go on the book. So. I didn't get a lot of detail, so I wouldn't know if things were being tweaked to go, you know, if there was more boy characters in the story Mm. or, you know, like, or I wasn't conscious of it. So from my point of view, uh, there was no shift or change. Um, That's a question for uh, RL. He may have said, uh, yeah, I started to make, you know, more of the main characters boys or, uh, you know, there was more conscious, you know, and then again, he might have just continued to just write them the way he felt like it. But um, yeah, I'm not, you know, like I said, from a art standpoint, nah, no, no influence. I was just doing what I was doing, you know, just trying to make cool pictures. Yeah, awesome. That's, um, I feel like maybe it might have been a subconscious change because as the, if the writing style changed, obviously the, yeah. um, the artwork would have to change because it's yeah. based on the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. And it's also interesting to think that, um, the first publication, the welcome to dead house, um, had gone through the approval process with like the door and everything. And they're like, girls are going to love this. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, I, I, the thing is my, you know, my, my recollection of everything is I, no one knew it was going to be big. So, mm. you know, like if, if there was some inclination that this was going to be a monster series, then there would be more people looking in on it and making adjustments and overthinking and doing stuff Mm. at the time. I don't think anybody thought of it as being a great thing. They, you know, it had potential just like anything else. And I think because everybody just went along and just did what they did best and there was no external people pressuring or changing things, I think that's why it worked because 
It just everybody got to do their best work the mm. way they thought it should be done. Yep. And it clicked, you know, um, that it, it, there's, you know, there's, it's hard to tell what the secret sauce was, you know, what the, what, what made it really work well, but it did. Yep. And um, I'm glad that scenario we were in was that scenario because uh, again, I, I I've done, I did a bunch of books before I did good goosebumps. I did a bunch of books after I did goosebumps and I had the most freedom doing the goosebumps covers. We, we, and that was because of two things. One, it, it got going and they just, you know, once it got going, they was like, Ooh, let's not mess with this. And the second and most important part is we were doing them so fast. There wasn't time to to get involved mm. in you know too much changes because the next one's right behind it yeah, yeah. and you know uh, getting it done was as important as how good is it yeah i understand that um it was around one a month was the turnout yeah and it's you know and my piece is ju- a very small part of it you know obviously rl writing a whole book mm. you know you know, I don't know how many pages that is a day, but yeah. it's a lot. And then to get on to the next one and to the next one and get make sure that the logistics are there for getting it to press and getting it, in, you know, printed and to the bookstores. And, you know, it was a, a, a amazing logistics yep. that made that thing happen. Yeah, that's that's really cool. It's it's one of those things, I guess, um, sort of trying to liken it to um, to comedy just through the um, the medium of an art form. Um, I need to use the quotes for mine. mine. Mine's the quote. Yours is actually art. Um, but <laughs> um, I find well, that- we both use we both use finger quotes tonight, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's up for debate which which uh, whose art forms more horrific, um, but we um, as in yours is actually horror and mine is just actually horrific. But um, the the um, the thing is, I found you said um, no one really had time to think about it. Like sometimes I find the best comedy sets I'll do is when. I'll um, not be as prepared or I've got a couple of jokes ready, but the rest is just like on uh, spur of the moment or I'll go on like a tangent on an, a joke that I'd planned and I might sort of like have a side um, note to that joke, which ends up being better than the punchline. Like I can't count the amount of times that I've started on a joke and then just gone down a rabbit hole of like a side quest and just basically said to the audience, like, you don't want to hear the rest of that joke. Like I've already done better than what I could have done. Like, I'll just move on to the next one. But I mean, that is the, you know, I, I worked at a comedy club uh, many years ago and got a chance to watch, you know, watch comedians work. And, you know, what you're talking about is that's, most people are only familiar with the, you know, seeing something on Netflix or, you know, uh, and seeing the finished product, mm. but that's, that's not how it's done. I mean, like you say, you go up the, the, the real art or, you know, the real skill is going up with a half-baked idea and going, all right, I got to work this out on stage and, you know, 
honing that and going, all right, it works a little better that way, but what if I spin that around and I, I, I tell it from this side of the story and you go up the next night and you do it again. And, and that's where, that's the real art form there is, you know, honing it all out. The finished product's great, but uh, it's, it's, it's you gauging off of what you hear and, and making it happen, which is, uh, that's that, to me, that's the impressive part because mm. that's the hard part, you know, cause you don't have a fully formed thing. And once in a while it's, it, you know, it isn't going to land at all. And you go, all right, I think there's something here. I got to go yeah. home and work on Yeah. It's, it's, as I mentioned before, there's like the evolution of a joke and sometimes I can get stubborn. Like I know that what I want to say can be funny and the amount of times I'll try it. Like I've had buddies of mine just be like dude just drop that bit like it's just not gonna work and i'll and and it happens with um like um more than just myself like i've, I've heard interviews i listen to a lot of podcasts as you probably um can understand like i like this it's probably the best platform for me to connect to like some of my um comedy idols um but i kind of get this um I hear a lot that that happens quite often. They'll sort of like, ha- like even in the professional, like world world class comedy scene, they sort of have that where it's like you should drop that bit. Like you'll, hear- yeah, I've heard some, I've heard some um, um, stories of jokes that have made it onto Netflix that started off as like you should shouldn't keep trying that bit, and then eventually it just sort of clicks because. Um, like it's, it's kind of coming back to art. It's like when I have a really cool, cause I'm, I'm, I can't draw. Like I just am terrible. Well, I haven't given myself time to learn. Okay. So my art form is by talking. Um, and I guess the audience is kind of my canvas. I'm throwing stuff against them and trying to see what works. It's like when there's no clubs at the moment, it's like trying to do art without a canvas. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what, um, that's all coming back. Actually, I've got my first comedy gig back, um, coming up, but it's not time for me to plug my dates just yet. But, um, if, if people are listening to this episode, they already know where I'm at. They found the episode. They had to scroll past the dates to, to click on the link. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's, yeah, that's kind of our medium is, is, is that. And, yeah, um, but it's, yeah, that's the difference though, where I can sit here and, I can make, I, I can make mistakes on my drawings all day. Nobody's watching, mm. you know. Like you got to get up in front of somebody and go, "All right, here, I'm gonna," you know. You, they're already expecting you to be funny, and you got to get up there and be funny. But you didn't work it out yet, and you get to go. <laughs> that's that's tough stuff. Yeah, yeah I, you know, uh, I, I don't know what it would be like to have people looking over my shoulder while I work. Yeah, I could imagine it just kind of like because everything I do, I'm getting instant responses to what I'm doing. It'd be like if you were doing an artwork, I could say, and the person that you're doing it for was standing behind you and every line you drew, they said, no, no, go that way or go left or go up. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. But then once you get it going, I mean, I'm sure there's nothing cooler than, you know, getting people to laugh. You know, that's, it's, I'm sure there's nothing, nothing is cool. It is, it is cool. And it's like, I think I was about 18 months into my career before I made someone laugh. 
Uh, no, I was. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I can recall it. I remember the day. It was the first and last time, and I hope to recreate it. Yeah, uh, but it's it's that thing of getting that momentum and, and getting you know stringing yeah. a bunch of them together. Like I said, I worked in a comedy club. I watched guys who were masterful, um, who you know could just come in and 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 take over the room. And then there's uh, you know. Uh, other guys who thought they could do it and um yeah it's a it's a it's a great art form it's a great set of entertainment and most there i shouldn't say most people a lot of people haven't gone out and seen comedy live and it's a there's nothing like it you mm. can't compare it to anything else it's not like going to see a band it's mm. not like going to see a movie it's not like anything there's something there's a an interesting energy especially when you get you know uh, you know here it's usually there's three guys you know one guy's the mc the other two guys do their sets yep. and you get a, a you know if you get a good complete set that's a that's a that's a great evening it, it's a it's a blast yeah awesome it's um actually good to discover that you're a um but like as well as um the initial reason for having you on the show also a fan of uh, comedy and understand the the process which is kind of like a hidden gem um but yeah it's also i noticed i actually noticed this in the episode and throughout the other episodes that this subtle like i know i i get in trouble for this all the time talking with my hands and i and i noticed that you do the same as well Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my hands are flying around. I I'm famous for knocking over drinks when I'm talking. So, yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's probably not so not so bad. Um, when you're not like a bartender like myself, known for knocking over drinks. Like, I've um, I've a um, yeah, I've a Croatian mate that tells me that I'm like that I knock over too many drinks, and that was definitely telling me something. Um, it's actually yeah it's one of the like because we're both we, we literally look like we're from a distance it looked like we were deaf talking to each other me and my Croatian man. <laughs> <laughs> looked like you were signing yeah we, I know we, I know how that is we had our own, it's like we have we've developed our own sign language that just no one else can understand um but yeah the the final part for the show and how we'll close this off um I usually will have like a what what I call story time. So it's basically I I know with the PWT cast it was very art heavy, and I think that we've um, because one of the presenters on that show does artwork for wrestling um, mm. stuff. But um, we um, we've kind of kept it a little bit like um, loose with art and and other stuff as well. I remember at the end of the episode, you mentioned that there, you know, um, there's some stories and stuff that you could come back and do another episode or whatever like that. I didn't want to kind of like hold back and sort of make this so linear and planned. Was there any stories um, that you have that, you know, we didn't cover or that you wanted to to share from from your experience over the years? Uh, There's, I, I mean, I don't have any like amazing, so creating art is not a you know there's there's not there's not adventures like okay well we're going to go back to you as a comedian you start to you know things open up again and you travel you're going to go places you're going to meet people 
there's a, you know, there's a, you know, there's, there's the opportunity of things happening where in the art world, I, you know, I come down the stairs every morning, <laughs> I sit at the same desk, I do my thing, I get it done. And the stuff that's noteworthy or story worthy is stuff that doesn't happen. That does, that has almost nothing to do with, uh, to, to do with art itself. Uh, I've done a lot of things, uh, in my life, um, that were, that were interesting. Um, uh, you know, I had a pretty interesting childhood and, um, you know, I, when I got out of, when I got out of high school, a friend of mine and I, this was back when you could do it, hitchhiked around the United States by just sticking out a thumb yeah, yeah. and carrying our backpacks. And we traveled for, uh, for over three months and, and made our way around the outside edge of the United States. And, uh, you know, that was, there was more stories in just that trip alone. Um, while I was in art school, uh, me and at the time my future wife went up to uh, Alaska and camped out for three months and worked in the fishing canneries. And uh, so, uh, yeah, and that was a disgusting job was working. <laughs> fishing canneries but it was a way to make some money to come back and pay for schooling yeah so yeah and those stories themselves are full podcast worthy yeah. tales and uh but um yeah the that that's the the hard part is that there's no there's no cool art related stories you know mm -hmm. it's like yeah hey i colored in this today <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the adventure. So, uh, yeah, now the, the cool things are the things that happen when you stop for the day. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, like I said, um, there's always bits that you can't cover in a podcast and I'm sure that there's like a, a lot of people listening to this episode, um, will be attracted to the, the story part of the artwork and the, and the goosebumps series, but I always like to have like, that medium that people you know i mean aside from what i do as comedy i've got like backstory and like f funny the, the weird thing is in my style of art my backstory my history it influences it, it, and it would influence yeah. in your situation yeah. as well um but the stories i tell on stage are sometimes from my past you know the, yeah and that, there's there's some of that for sure that finds its way into my artwork is, you know, things that I've experienced or things that I remembered that I, you know, are part of me are definitely making their way mm. into, into the art and they've made their way into goosebumps and there's family members that are on goosebumps covers and, you know, just, and I'm on a couple and, you know, it's those, you know, those, things that you do and again that's how the sneakers ended up in there i wasn't trying to do anything yeah. other than oh he's got to have some shoes on what kind of shoes should he have oh well, let's put these on these i think they're cool uh, they're still my favorite let's yeah. throw them in. well so th things like those choices could actually um had some sway in why the um series took off in uh this, towards the the market of boys because 
they like war converses. It was relatable. They seen yeah. stuff that they recognized. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, you know, um, there'll be plenty of people who tell you I never grew up. And uh, if, you know, some half grown man is drawing pictures for young kids and, 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 and boys, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not that much more grown up than them. So maybe I, I, I was the, the, the right guy for the, for the task. Yeah, it seems like this um, the Goosebumps series was just a perfect fucking storm that everything all came together. Every yeah. like uh, just a and and the the venue that I work at um, as a bartender is a live music venue that I also do comedy at. And I can say from experience to get a, a group of artists to all collaborate to come up with something completely um, successful is like the the blue moon situation in a yeah. lot of cases. And, and that's with every aspect of everything in life. It's not just art, although I think in art, it, and it's, I, I think especially in music, because uh, you as a comedian, me as an artist, you're, all you got to do is depend on yourself. And But as soon as you're in a band and there's four of you or five of you that have to you know, not only play well together, but you got to get along together. Mm. That's, that's such potential for things to go wrong. And I'm sure there are incredibly great bands laying in waste just because they couldn't get along. Um, Yeah. And again, that, that idea that, you know, time and place have a lot to do with stuff. So the thing that I like to say to people, you know, you know, when they say, Oh, what, you know, what should, you know, no matter what form of art you're pursuing is you just gotta, you just gotta go after it every day. You gotta be trying your hardest and doing your best work as much as you can and not try to cherry pick anything because you don't know when the opportunity is actually happening. Like the big thing isn't evident. It's not like a flashing light and, oh, okay, this is, this is my spot tonight. This is the one mm-hmm. that you know, I'm going to kill on. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know when that one person is there or, I, you know, I wrote off goosebumps at the beginning. I, I just looked at it as, ah, that's going to be fun. I think that's cool. I'll do my best work. And mm-hmm. I did my best work on a lot of other things that went nowhere. But as long as you keep, throwing out your best work something's gonna hit and if it does hit right that's that but you always have the satisfaction of i know i was doing my best work and even if it didn't mm. work out i know i didn't you know i didn't phone it in i didn't half-ass that one yeah I, you yeah. know i did my best work and for whatever reason they didn't like it or didn't go anywhere okay well that was the best i could do and it makes you sleep way better at night mm. than it you know, if you, you, you dick off and, and don't do stuff the way you're supposed to. And, uh, yeah. And then you feel disappointed because you weren't, you know, fully engaged. So that's, that's really the, the, the one and only piece of advice I have is you give it your hundred percent when you're doing what you do so that when the opportunity arises, you know, you're giving yourself the best shot. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, yeah, completely, um, completely identify with that because i do that with comedy like if i don't have the best there you go there's one for all of the um all of the hippie listeners i identify with that 
um my my chakra aligns with that one um the my, the um yeah my the moons have aligned and the gemstones all um are, are glistening from that one um because I totally, um, I, I like to think that I always go into everything 100%. So I know whether I like it or not. So many people have hobbies for like 10 years and then give it up. And you're like, why would you quit playing golf, mate? Oh, because I don't want to. I, I just didn't really get into it. You didn't get into it. You did it for 10 years. Like, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I said golf. What I meant was relationships. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're both the same thing. If I'm honest, they probably both lead to about three strokes. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, the um, the yeah, I like to go into everything a hundred percent, and um, I and it does. Like if I have a set that doesn't land, and I know it's because I either didn't prepare, or I didn't read the room properly, or like something as simple as like I um. I didn't take an opportunity. Like I, I've had opportunities for crowd work before and I've just gone, oh no, I've got this set that I want to get through. And some, there'll be like literal gold that just appears mm. in the crowd and yeah. you just don't, and, and, and that's what I'll kick myself over. Like I'll be like, I won't remember the time I tried out that joke and it got a little bit better. I will remember the time that someone came along in the front row and, you know, like I had a, I had a golden opportunity once um, that I took and I nearly didn't take it. And I was so happy that it happened. I was at this club. It's kind of like a, it's not a club. It's like a, it's a cafe and it turns into a bar at nighttime. It used to be a bookshop, but now it's just like a, they have books, but they're not for sale. It's one of those sort of like, um, like anyone that own a combi at some point, instant free drink when you go there. Um, not really, but that's, that's the vibe. Um, and the, um, there's this couple sitting in the front row and, you know, um, I'd say that they would have been in there like maybe seventies. And I say like, oh, um, is, uh, is it date night tonight? And they said, oh, we're, we're, um, we're not dating. And I said, oh, are you married? And they said, no. And I said, how long you been together? Like, well, how, like, and I basically just went into this, like, well, who's like, who's, it's not the time to really fuck around. Like, it's, <laughs> like, you're on the clock here. Tick, it's tick, like, tick. who in their 70s is like in a complicated relationship? And I already love these two people. Yeah, that's what basically what I said. I like, I'm like, I love this. I'm like, who, who's being mysterious about feelings in their 70s? And, um, yeah, it was just, uh, and I think that the, the bit that, um, basically made it like that I closed off with on that crowd work bit was I basically just said something along the lines of like, who's going to turn around the game in the, in the fourth quarter. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, come on. You've watched enough sports. It happens. Yeah. you, You mentioned that you used to play basketball. So I'm sure you get that, that, um, reference, but yeah, I'm five foot seven, so like I'm I'm not I've got no and that's why I've I've did I, I did ice hockey. Like I know the I know the um the path I need to take um if I want to do any sports. But uh yeah, so that's one of it's one of those things. But that's uh yeah, that that's a that's a wrap, man. I'm 
really appreciate you being on the show. I really like the flow and I'm glad that we got through all the questions. Um, and I hope that everybody um, enjoys listening to this as much as um, I enjoyed recording it with you, man. Yeah, it was fun. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah. Uh, well, um, before we leave, I'll just give you um, give you some plugs. I've got your um, website here. Oh, the horror story of that picture there for a second while it transitions. Um, that that wasn't accidental. I just wanted everybody to see me holding my Goosebumps books there for a second. But here's your um, here's your um, website. Um, and I noticed down here, and it came up on a previous episode. Now you you are selling prints on this, but it's not just um, as um, for for artworks. It's it's actually quite a charitable um, thing that you're doing here with your um, with your loads of, of of goods that are going going away with the profits from that. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about um, the the story behind this? Yeah, so uh, you, you can, at jacobastudios.com, there is a store, and you can buy uh, Goosebumps prints. Currently, I think I have 10 or 12 uh, of the covers, and you can either get them in 18-inch or 9-inch. And what I do is I take $10 from every sale. Uh, the, the, the posters, the big posters are 25 small ones are 20 I take half the money, $10 from each poster sale, and we buy food uh, for the local food bank. So the pictures there are the food that I order through uh, Walmart. They deliver it to the house. We throw it in the truck, and we drive it. A couple of miles down the road is a a food pantry uh, to help feed people who uh, are having a tough time. So, um, yeah, we started doing that during the pandemic when, you know, you know, we all didn't know what was going to happen business-wise. Um, luckily, my business was not affected too much, but I was seeing too much on TV where people, uh, you know, were in lines in their cars getting, you know, looking for, for food because, you know, they had lost their jobs and they were having a hard time making ends meet. And it was just something that I knew that we could do. And, you know, listen, Goosebumps fans are great. And um, you can see, I you know, I can get a, a quite a bit of food in the truck there every month, and yep. uh, uh, they're 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 wondering what's going on down the street because they don't really know who I am or what we're doing. <laughs> so we keep showing up with lots of food. They call they call me or my son the Walmart guy because <laughs> it's it's easiest to take the money. I order it online. They deliver all the food to the house, loaded in the truck. So yeah, they think somehow we're connected with Walmart, but it's Goosebumps <laughs> fans that are making this happen. Awesome. Yeah, that's a real really good initiative, man. Um, totally. Um, totally love to give that a plug so that's um jacobastudios.com and i'll put a link in the description um to that one um for anyone that wants to wants to see it but if you're watching on youtube you can see that i've um displayed the website there but um yeah if you like to click links there's one in the description for you um so yeah thanks um thanks again for being on the show and um yeah, thank you for all all the all the art and everything over the years, man. I really appreciate it. Not just not just the art that I've seen as like a consumer, but also um, you did my tattoo design and um, you uh, signed a copy of my book, which is now the prized possession in my Goosebumps collection. So I really appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate you too, Marky. This was great. One last 
One last question um, quickly. I forgot. Oh, this was a personal one I forgot to write down. Do you have a specific um, horror series like in the like um, like the Halloween, uh, Freddy, Jason, that sort of stuff that you um, that you favor? Um, um, I, 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 the one that, that stands out and I, it, again, this is, this goes back to what we kind of talked about where when you see things at certain points in your life, they have, they make a big influence. And usually you're at that age where, you know, things just fall into place. I, I the, the, not so much the series. I, I like the Halloween series. I like the Friday the 13th series, you know, uh, the new Halloween that's, I think it's coming out or it's just come out. Yeah. yeah. It looks really good. Yeah. That looks really engaging. Um, but, uh, I was a big fan of the shining. I know that's not uh, very original. A lot of people say that, but it, it came out at the right time. Um, I was always a, a, a big Jack fan and, you know, he was in all his glory in that, in that movie. And, uh, yeah, and it was just twisted enough, but it was, you know, I'm, I'm, I lean way more towards the suspenseful, uh, side of horror than the, you know, the, 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 the gore, yeah. slashing trash. you know, I, I'd rather you, you know, scare the shit out of me through suspense yeah. than try to get me to throw up. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy. That's easy. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. It's one of those. Actually, you uh, say you're a fan of Jack in that series. I was actually listening to an episode. Now, this will divide the crowd. I was listening to an episode of Stern, and um, they had this impressionist on there who um, had spoke to Jack Nick, uh, to Jack's um, caddy, and what had happened was, oh, that was uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, who was it? That was um, I heard that because uh, that's Jim uh, Jim Brewer. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The um. Yeah. So ba- basically, that yeah, that's right. It's the Jim Brewer that Stern. Is- Jim Brewer lives. Uh, Jim Brewer lives in the next town, so oh, he's yeah. kind of like he's one of ours. <laughs> he's up there with the uh, the the Canberra comedian from New Jersey as well, but. <laughs> um. But the um. One one of the lines that that comedian says is like, you can take the girl out of New Jersey, you can't take New Jersey out of the girl. And I said, how long have you been out of New Jersey? And she said, 40 years at this point. (laughs) 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 So, um, yeah, with... That, that, yeah, but that was a. Now you know the context. It's really funny that um the 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 and and so the for listeners um the basically what happens is it goes between Jack and Joe Pesci having an argument um with each other, and this guy does both of the both the sides, and it's just it's just it's really good um being yeah, a, a yeah, yeah yeah he's so good at both voices yeah. I, I love how I um, can take the risk to just throw a stone reference out there and like potentially just negate the entire relationship of the of the podcast um, that I've built. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah. Well, this will be that little um, question there will be a bonus at the end of the episode. So if you've listened through to this part, you got to hear the bonus question. So 
Cheers. Don't buy me a drink. Just name names. Yeah, some, yeah right. Big Tony. You'll get fucking thrown out of the strip club with your floppy disk. Yeah, all day. Make people feel shame for shit all day. <laughs> Don't blow it into a hard drive. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to 